0: Another episode of True Crime Society Podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. This is actually the second time we'll be recording this because the first time we did it, a whole two hours worth of recording, the audio got messed up. And when I was going to edit it, I realized that and it was very, very sad. So we're here. We're doing it again. Take two. At least we're going to be Holly Bobo experts after this. I said it last time when we were recording as a joke. For I don't remember why, but I was like, "Oh, this episode's like really no, no, no. getting a beat down." But little <laughs> did I know. Oh, I know It's the first time
1: it's ever happened, so it's a good learning curve for us, I guess, in terms of recording. But hopefully, this one turns out all right.
0: Otherwise, you're, we're not getting a Holly Boba episode.
1: <laughs> we might just have to move on.
0: <laughs> do Do we want to start with the dark humor? first
1: yeah so we had a um we've you know we always ask you guys for feedback and one of the things that someone posted on our Instagram was that they enjoy the podcast but they thought that sometimes we laugh had nervous laughter at inappropriate times and And I said I'm not nervous (laughs) (laughs) and like I know you know I know we do laugh but we've always said that this is a casual you know just basically a casual chat about crime we do like a ton of research so the research isn't casual but the rest of the podcast is quite casual. We just chat amongst ourselves about what we think happened, you know. And sometimes it's hard not to laugh. Like I'm, I am especially referring to the Vallow case, with which is just absolutely insane. Like it's just unbelievable. Which is where I think the laughter for that one came from. So.
0: Like we're obviously not laughing about no. any of the deaths or anything like that. Like that's We're not laughing not about what happened. It's just
1: sometimes the circumstances are so crazy and so sometimes so stupid, to be honest, that you just have to, you know, laugh. And that I think it's just a, a mechanism for some people to deal with things like that.
0: I actually thought of when I was thinking about this in my head before we recorded, I thought of a good but kind of extreme example of that type of like scenario that we're talking about. But mm-hmm. Tiger King, mm. like how long have we been making jokes about that, memes about that? Everyone's been and laughing it, about it. But it's easy to also be like, oh, but you're not – you're like laughing about the deaths of these tigers. Like you're laughing about – like one guy shot himself in the head. Yeah, it's no, not that's funny. what I mean. Like that guy so,
1: shot himself in the head and everyone still kind of makes jokes, you know, maybe not so much about his death, but about the circumstances the and thing. the things that led to his death. So, you know, I think it's just part of – sometimes it's just so incomprehensible that that's how everyone deals with it.
0: Yeah. And it's a topic that we're interested in. We're interested in crime, like the forensics, the science behind it, the mentality of these people and what's going on. And we like talking about it, but that doesn't mean we always want to be sad and bringing each other down. So it's a way to kind of cope with the shitty situation is by being a little lighthearted about it. Yeah. I think we're respectful
1: about the things that need to be respected, you know, but like and I keep referring to the Valo case in terms of Laurie's insanity that is laughable sometimes so we're not laughing about the death say of Tylie and JJ we're we're laughing at crazy Laurie basically
0: yeah and <laughs> this podcast it was it was always meant to be just like us chatting About crime. It's not meant to be some cinematic, produced, dramatics retelling of a story. Yeah, it's not where we just sit and
1: read a script and that's it. And we've asked for feedback, and most, I think 99% of people enjoy the chat. And like we've said before, if you don't enjoy it, you can skip past it, use the chapter notes, and just go straight to the story. But we can't please everyone. You know, this is what it is. We've said from the start, this is what it is. So if it's not maybe the format that you're looking for or the type of discussion that you're looking for I'm sure there's other podcasts out there that you can check out yeah there's a billion true crime podcasts (laughs) (laughs) where you know we're so happy for everyone that has given us you know great feedback and likes listening but I you know I do get I've listened to podcasts and I've some of them I've never listened to again because I just think they're not for me Mm -hmm. and that's fine so you know sometimes it
0: works for you and sometimes it doesn't there's podcasts out there that everyone loves and I'll be like "Eh, yeah just your personal preference (laughs) I just saw one thing that you found, Steph,
1: from that, I think it's from Gizmodo. It's just a little quote about dark humour. So it says, though it seems even more counterintuitive, dark humour might be an equally viable method of anxiety reduction in dire situations that seem completely hopeless or out of a person's control. This type of humour is typically found alongside death and destruction. And then it lists um, some occupations like doctors and nurses in hospitals, ERs, soldiers in the trenches during war, And it serves as an important, albeit a seemingly callous, function to keep spirits high, stress low, and maintain a sense of humanity where none seems to exist. So I think that's very true.
0: Mm -hmm. There's other people out there that have the same, I guess, sense of humor as us. And that's who I guess we're catering to. Absolutely. Speaking of things that are hilarious,
2: (laughs) we have an update,
0: our weekly update on Madison Bell. Mm. Hopefully this is the final one. Yeah. shockingly, she seems to be back home.
1: Back home with her mother and her first boyfriend. So not the boyfriend she ran away with, that first boyfriend. So um, this is all on the blog, so we won't go into it in you know a ton of detail. But basically, she had moved, ran away from her family, moved to Texas with this guy she knew online. She'd been speaking to him since she was 13. She's now 18, and we found out that he's 29. So at the time, he was like 24 or something and speaking to a 13-year-old. They got thousands of dollars of donations from online people who followed their case she got her nails done <laughs> she released wow. some lovely instagram lives with some amazing language it's very explicit so we won't put it up or we might put a little clip in if we can
3: yeah
2: go damn and get the f- page sorry yeah i don't know why f- you think you're f- cool trying to get on my f- page
0: She is not what you expect if you thought she was like a sweet little smiling girl, like her mom showed in the photos. And what about her mom said? Didn't her mom say something
1: like she was scared of her own shadow?
0: Yeah, she's on Instagram live, like telling all the haters (laughs) to go fuck themselves. And I was like, damn, girl. So anyway, that was all happening. She was happy with
1: Zach. And then somehow someone online paid for her to fly to Florida to go and meet up with her mother. So she did that. And when she got there, she decided that she'd had enough of Zach. She left him on his birthday. And basically has gone and told him, too bad, so sad, I'm going home. And, but she'll always uh, remember them. Always together. remember them. So this is all, you know, all the texts are out there. It's all a Zach big released mess. released
0: his autobiography.
1: <laughs> he wrote a massively long Facebook post, which basically he outlined every job he's ever had, every issue he's ever had in his life. Um, every
0: relationship.
1: <laughs> and basically, yeah. So it's just a big mess. As far as we know, I haven't heard any other updates. Madison is home with her mum and her boyfriend, first boyfriend, and she said that she's going to try and focus on her studies. So hopefully that's the end of that little saga, fingers crossed. She seems to surprise us a lot, so who knows? R.I.P. True love didn't prevail in this case. <laughs> so cringy anyway it's all on the blog if you want to check it out truecrimessociety.com we've got all the videos all the screenshots you know if you're looking for a bit of (laughs) light-hearted drama to start your day check that out if you want to
0: feel better about your own life
1: (laughs) about your own bad choices your choices were never as bad as Madison's choices
0: (laughs) if you want to feel better about your teenage years All right. So today we're going to talk about Holly Bobo. We're actually splitting it into two episodes cuz it did turn out to be a lot longer than we originally thought. The first episode, we're going to go up to the trial and then the second episode, if all goes according to plan, will be the trial.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: I'd say that this is one of the first like big cases that I really followed. I actually remember reading about it on websubits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't believe you admitted that. That's where I got all the hot gossip <laughs> back in the day. Before they, before they banned me. <laughs> There's a lot of mystery to this one, so yeah, I hope you guys are into a it.
1: A lot of conflicting stories.
0: A lot of meth. Mm.
2: Unincorporated Darden, Tennessee, is little more than a pit stop along Highway 412 in Decatur County. With a tiny community center, park, and rundown gas station only signs you're passing through. Winding roads cut through miles of quiet farm country.
3: 911,
2: what's your mercy? Yes, honey,
3: Dakota County 911. This is him, what's what's wrong there? Listen, a 631-1 John's Road. Somebody has my daughter.
2: But on April 13th, 2011, the quiet vanished. Somebody, a full camouflage got Holly. 20-year-old Holly Lynn Bobo a beautiful young nursing student who wanted to devote her life to helping others, literally taken from her own home. I grabbed her and took her to the lunch! Please, get everybody out there. Okay, they're on their way, sweetie. They're on their way right now. The search for Holly would become the single most expensive missing persons investigation in the history of the state of Tennessee. Despite that massive effort, investigators and scores of volunteers would never find Holly. Two and a half years later, it was a ginseng hunter who stumbled on what turned out to be her remains.
0: On April 13th, 2011, in Darden, Tennessee, 20-year-old nursing student Holly Bobo woke up at 4.30 a.m. to study for an exam she had later that morning. Holly's mom, Karen Bobo, woke up a bit later and got her a muffin before packing a lunch Holly could bring to school. Karen then left for work at the local elementary school where she taught. Around 7.30 a.m., Holly's boyfriend, Drew Scott, called to check in. He was hunting turkeys on her grandmother's property nearby. From there, Holly got ready for school, as she usually did on Wednesdays, and walked out to the garage around 8 a.m. What happened next would remain a mystery for nearly six years. So Holly's 25-year-old brother, Clint, was startled awake by the family's dog barking. He peered through his blinds expecting to see a delivery driver, but he saw a man dressed in camouflage talking to Holly. He assumed it was her boyfriend. They appeared to be having an argument and possibly breaking up. He couldn't hear what was being said, but it looked like Holly was saying no and why. He decided to mind his own business and stay out of it. And here's a clip of Clint talking a little bit about that morning.
3: The only thing that I could see was his right over, which was hanging down. I
2: saw them up until they got about where those two trees are. And from that point, from that point, I, I, I never saw them again.
0: So at the same time, a neighbor heard screams and called Holly's mother at work, which prompted her to call Clint. He told her he saw her walking towards the woods behind their house with Drew. Karen tells Clint that wasn't Drew and to get a gun and shoot him. So I know some people have said that that was a little extreme of her to say considering he thought it was drew like what if it was drew is he just going to go out there and shoot him so clint was confused by all of this like he just woke up didn't really know what was going on yep i guess you'd never think like your first instinct wouldn't be my
1: sister's being kidnapped something's wrong especially with no struggle like he didn't he did never has never said he saw a struggle so you'd think
0: and it's, it's 8 a.m like what a crazy time to get kidnapped <laughs> So confused, Clint asks his mom, you want me to shoot Drew? But Karen hung up on him and called 911.
2: Somebody has my daughter. Somebody has full blood got Holly. I grabbed her and took her to the woods. Please get everybody out there.
0: Clint went outside and saw blood in their driveway. A neighbor pulled up and told him they heard screaming, which prompted Clint to call 911 as well. A friend from work drove Karen home and she immediately saw the blood. She ran to the woods and started yelling for Holly, but there was no sign of her. She grabbed Clint and shook him, screaming, why didn't she do something? Which makes me feel a little mm-hmm. sad for him. Live with that forever. Holly's father, Dana Bobo, was at work, but rushed home once he was informed Holly was missing. Law enforcement arrived and began canvassing the area for clues immediately. Suspicion turned to Clint right away. Police asked him to remove his shirt to check for scratches or anything that could indicate he was the one who went into the woods with Holly. There was no Amber Alert issued for Holly because of her age. At 20 years old, Holly didn't get the criteria of being under 18. And this is a clip of her mom talking about how she tried to lie about her age.
3: And, you know, I was begging them to put out roadblocks, and I was begging for an Amber Alert, um, in which I found out, you know, they couldn't put one out if you're over 17. Um, and so that morning, I actually lied and said she was 17, so I could get that out. I, you know, I wouldn't, I would do that again if I had to.
0: So that brings us to Thursday, April 14th, 2011, which is one day, the next day. 300 to 400 people searched for Holly. Their scent dogs, helicopters, ATVs, and horses were used to search the woods surrounding their home. It was initially believed Holly may have been taken during what was meant to be a home invasion, but the suspect never made it inside. In an interview with NBC, Holly's parents pleaded for help from the public, Her father said he believed that she was taken by someone who knew her daily routine because she normally left around that time on Wednesdays. Karen said through sobs, Holly, I love you so much. She's just so precious. You don't even know.
3: Holly, I love you so much. (laughs) Please, Please try to get home to us.
0: Friday, April 15th, two days since she was taken. Eight miles from the Bobo home, searchers made a grim discovery. Holly's lunchbox and other personal belongings of hers were found in a creek. There were no suspects at the time, but both Clint and Drew were cleared by police. A $25,000 reward is offered for any information that led to Holly's safe return. At a press conference, John Mayer, a spokesperson for the TBI, said investigators, quote, did not see any drag marks leading towards the woods, which led them to believe Holly complied with her attacker and walked into the woods. He said, quote, we believe he actually had her arm holding her. We feel she was in fear for her life, so she was complying. So that brings us to Saturday, April 16th, three days since she was taken. As the search continued, investigators described Holly's abductor as between 5'10 and 6' tall, weighing between 180 to 200 pounds. And that's going off of what Clint said, since he was the only one to have seen this person. Yep. Monday, April 18th. Bill Haslam, the governor of Tennessee, tripled the reward for information leading to Holly's safe return, making the total $75,000. At this point, police had received 250 leads, but still didn't have a person of interest. They asked the public to report any suspicious behavior, such as a person calling in sick to work over the past week, someone excessively cleaning a car or ATV, or unexpectedly selling a vehicle. Police continued interviewing neighbors and boats searched local waterways while volunteers covered the Natchez Trail, which is a national hiking trail. More than 900 people were involved in the search for Holly at this point. Um, this is a clip of Holly's parents both talking about the search and how everyone came together. For weeks, life as everyone knew it in Decatur County stopped. Anyone who could searched. Some
1: came from across the country. Neighbors and strangers treaped side by side in the woods. They combed the grass for clues on their hands and knees. Most felt it was an amazing
0: display of community determination.
3: It was people out here I didn't know was help looking for our daughter day and night. Their bosses left work and come out and help search. Others worried they were unknowingly ruining potential crime scenes, trampling over evidence. I know there was tons of people here trying to help. I know, I know lots of people were called in. You know, I don't know what else could have been done.
0: So besides the items found in the creek, police were analyzing the blood found in the garage, along with duct tape that had blonde hair stuck to it, that was found on the ground nearby. Police also seem to backtrack on their statement about Clinton Drew being cleared by saying they hadn't ruled anyone out as a suspect yet. At this point, people were generally suspicious of Holly's brother, since he basically watched her get abducted and did nothing. Brings us to April 23rd, which is nine days since Holly was taken. The search for Holly continued through April, but by the end of the month, things started to slow down. At this point, volunteers had searched nearly all of Decatur County, including lakes and waterways. At this point, police were investigating um, a registered sex offender in the area named Terry Britt. He was looked at as a suspect because he had a history of stalking and raping women. His home was wiretapped in searched during the investigation, but he had an alibi and police couldn't find any evidence against him. Do you know your house is wiretapped when it's wiretapped? <laughs> no, right? I don't think so. I was going to say, it must be so know, annoying maybe. to like know you're innocent and be like, guys, it's not me.
1: <laughs> I've just looked up what Terry Britt looks like. He's very, very creepy. Like, he looks what you would picture someone to be like who would do something like this.
0: <laughs> Judging a book by <laughs> its cover? You know,
1: I know. Not, yeah, not to generalize, but yeah, he looks like not a very
0: nice person. He looks like he'd abduct a girl in her yard. <laughs> so in January 2012, another, I guess, related person to the crime, um, a man named Tony Calbreese and his roommate had their Ohio apartment searched by the TBI and the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. A computer was seized along with other belongings Tony wasn't a suspect in Holly's disappearance. He was actually being investigated for hindering the investigation by soliciting leads and portraying himself as a leader of a search and rescue team. He even set up a website featuring photos of Holly to solicit leads and claim to pass them to law enforcement. TBI said he was drawing attention away from their investigation. Tony never traveled to Tennessee to help search for Holly, but claimed to have dispatched others to do so. I feel like another like other cases where people would act this way and just like do the most delphi yeah (laughs) but this case like it happened a long time ago but it was probably just like as big as delphi i remember that's how i heard about it because like their whole community was so invested in it and people from other states were clearly invested in it it was a big deal when it first happened
1: I feel like this kind of happened at the time where true crime really started to get quite popular, for, you know, like yeah. a better word. Like it started to get more of a following. And I guess that was, you know, as social media and all that increased as well. Because I do remember this case and I remember the whole camouflage thing and all that from when she got abducted. So I think that this might have been, you know, right at the start of when it started to get really, really popular. So yeah. And also then I guess with the social media as well, people, that's when people kind of start to insert themselves. They, you know, like we spoke about with the Tyler Davis thing, where people, you know, start to organize searches and, you know, all that type of stuff. Same with which Madison, weren't. they
0: send her money to go to Florida. And- yep. Always people who get so
1: drawn in or so invested for whatever reason that they take it upon themselves to um, insert themselves, I guess.
0: Yeah. So we're at February 2012, which is 10 months after she disappeared. The TBI offers $85,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person responsible for Holly's abduction. This is on top of the reward raised by the community, which now amounted to $250,000 for her safe return. So from here... Naps. Not- just want to interrupt...
1: Sorry, can I interrupt for one last second? Um, I don't know. For anyone who's not familiar with the case, Holly looks so sweet. Like she's little, you know, petite. She was blonde. Mm -hmm. She's always smiling. Like she just looks like the type of person. Again, I'm judging a book by (laughs) its cover. But even from what everyone has said, she looks bubbly. She looks, you know, sweet. I know people say they have a kind. I always say, you know, people have kind faces or kind eyes. I think she really does. She just seems happy, sweet, based, obviously, just based on her photos, but it also is supported by what people have said about her, I think.
0: Yeah, and we'll put in videos, like, there's videos of her singing at church and just, like, singing and having fun with her friends. I guess she liked singing. She just seemed kind of generally wholesome. Yeah, very. A very wholesome, nice girl. That that I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That we're just assuming. (laughs) So... Not much goes on until there's finally a break in the case on February 28, 2014, which is almost three years since she was abducted. So 15 miles from Holly's home, a residence at 235 Adams Lane in Decatur County was sworn by the TBI. This is where 29-year-old Zach Adams lived. Neighbors told reporters that his truck and his mother's PT cruiser were being searched. Oh my god, do you hear my cat screaming now? <laughs> I can hear <laughs> so it. So <laughs> annoying. me in. Decatur County authorities arrested Zach on unrelated assault charges stemming from a February 6th incident where he held a gun to his girlfriend's sister's head and threatened to gut her. On top of that, Zach had just bonded out of jail after being arrested in another county on drug charges. That day, TBI held a little press conference about it.
3: We believe there's other individuals out there that have knowledge, possible involvement. Uh, we're working on that right now. Uh, and I would expect, as I said, those individuals know who they are. And I'm sure they're watching. And they can expect us to be on their doorstep pretty soon.
0: So a little bit of background info on Zach Adams. He is an all-around shitty guy. <clears throat> and then we were just talking about you can
1: maybe judge a book by its cover. His covers destroyed yeah. <laughs> he looks scary he's got real dark rings around his eyes like he isn't someone you'd want to come across in a dark room by yourself
0: so yeah he generally looks awful he is a meth yeah. addict he is very thin he has really dark circles around his eyes looks like a scary dude yeah so he has an extensive criminal history in 2002 he was 18 years old he was arrested for drug possession and driving infractions. In 2004, he was arrested for aggravated domestic assault after shooting his mom in the knee with a 9mm. He pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 11 months and 29 days in jail. Six months of that sentence was suspended, and he was ordered to go to rehab. In 2005, he was arrested for threatening to shoot his grandparents with a shotgun. This is part of the 911 call placed by his grandfather when that happened, and you can hear him saying that Zach was, quote, acting wild.
3: Uh, okay, Sacrace. he's wild again.
2: Oh, wow, me. man. And I, I mean, he put his hands on me. You gotta get off here quick. In
0: 2007, he was arrested for theft of property, tested positive for methamphetamine and marijuana. On April 4th, 2011, so this is an important one because it was right before, nine days before Holly was abducted. Rangers at the Natchez Trace State Park arrested him on charges of fabricating/slash tampering with evidence, assault on an officer, drug possession, and resisting arrest. So I guess he got pulled over around there, and he tried to flee from the cops on foot. It's a shame they didn't keep him in then. Yeah,
1: wouldn't have this story, I don't think.
0: Anyway, so then June 2011, he was arrested for driving with a revoked or suspended license in Decatur County, and. This isn't really criminal history, but I felt like it fit right here. On December 14th, 2011, he posted a photo of himself on Facebook wearing camo in the woods with the caption, quote, Who am I searching for? Seemingly mocking the search for Holly. So there is a screenshot of that. What a lovely guy. I know. So rude. So the search of his property lasted several days. They used shovels, metal probes, an excavator, to search the grounds along with cadaver dogs and underwater cameras. I'm pretty sure they had a really big property. Yeah. Danielle Darnell, who lives in the area, says she and Holly's mother saw three men acting strangely one week before Holly disappeared. She had said she'd known Zach her whole life and that he and two of his friends are following Holly at a coon hunt dinner. She said Holly was on stage walking around at the coon hunt and they basically stalked her a little bit. can't believe this sub. Um- Second case in a row with raccoons. (laughs) (laughs) Never trust a raccoon. (laughs) Holly's friend, Candice Woods, said she was at the coon hunt with Holly. They went on like a double date with their boyfriends. And it was on April 9th, 2011. And she remembers a man with a heavy build wearing camouflage staring at them frequently. He was on the phone and would look down whenever she caught him looking at them. And so with her help, she worked with the police and they made a sketch of the man. And she would later realize that he was Shane Austin, who will be more relevant later in the story. And there's a picture the of the sketch. sketch actually and it actually looks, looks very like much him.
1: like him. Yeah. You know, sometimes
0: you're like, how did they even get
1: this person from that sketch? But in this case, it really, really does look like him on the blog.
0: So we're at March 4th, 2014, which is around when they were searching his house still. After searching Zach's home, evidence was presented to a special grand jury. Investigators collected evidence from several locations over the weekend. After a two-hour deliberation behind closed doors, the jury indicted the 29-year-old for especially aggravated kidnapping and felony first-degree murder. Investigators won't say what evidence was presented to the jury, nor will they comment on the status of Holly's remains. So the next day, March 5th, they made that public, they did a press conference. And this is a clip of Mark Gwynn, the director of the TBI announcing the charges against Zach.
3: It is important, very important, that we keep the Bobo family and the entire county of Decatur in our thoughts and prayers as this investigation continues. TBI has remained very diligent in working this case, and recently I am relieved At the progression of evidence collected and information developed. With that being said, today at approximately 2 p.m., a special agent with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation presented to a specially impaneled Decatur County Grand Jury facts and evidence regarding the disappearance of Holly Bobo. After the presentment of this information, the Decatur County Grand Jury handed down indictment of especially aggravated kidnapping and first-degree felony murder on Zachary Rye Adams.
0: So it always makes me kind of sad to hear that clip, and I hadn't seen it for a while, but as soon as I heard it, I remember the first time I saw it. It just makes you sad, because they clearly held out hope all this time that Holly was still alive, and that hope kind of just came crashing down.
1: I know we spoke about it when we recorded the first one, but that Darden, where she lived, I think has a population of 399 people.
0: I said, that's literally the size of my high school class.
1: (laughs) So it sounds like they are a really, and even judging by how many people turned out to search for her. It sounds like the air, that area and the areas around it are very close-knit and, you know, I guess that kind of supports why they were all still so hopeful supporting each other even years and years later. So it's, it is sad. Like it really does seem like this affected the whole entire community.
0: Mm-hmm. And I know they moved it to a different county, at Hardin County maybe. It, mm-hmm. it was like 25 miles away and it's a big yep. to-do because they feel like since it's kind of just like a small area and people in that county were also invested so they feel like it wasn't far enough away to get an unbiased jury
1: yeah i do yeah i can kind of you know see that point to it but yeah i guess where do you draw the line anyway
0: yeah at the same press conference a law enforcement official said we believe we can prove she was taken forcefully from her home without consent we also feel she was killed in the perpetration of the kidnapping Authorities didn't rule out making other arrests and didn't reveal if they'd found Holly's remains or not. Not shockingly, Zach pled not guilty to the kidnapping and murder of Holly, but then another charge was added, which is witness coercion, which is when threats, intimidation, or some other form of force are used to pressure a witness to testify falsely, withhold information, or elude the judicial process and is considered to be a felony. It turns out, Zach... Threatened his brother, Dylan Adams, who was serving time in prison for federal firearm charges at the time. According to the TBI, Zach tried to pass a message from his Chester County jail cell to his brother's jail cell in Obion County. Zach told... Oh my god. Zach told a fellow inmate who he believed was being transferred to Obion to pass the message along, but instead the inmate told the investigators. The message was, quote... Tell my brother he is the one who started all this shit. And if he don't shut his mouth, he'll be in the hole beside her. He's not the sharpest boy in the shed, is he? No. So in response to the new charges, Mark Gwyn he said, quote, We will not tolerate any kind of coercion in criminal cases, but in a case like this, which has attracted so much interest and required so many resources, rest assured, we will fight hard to protect the integrity of our work as we seek justice for the family and friends of Holly Bobo. So when Dylan was arrested on his gun charges in September 2013, he told police he witnessed Holly alive with his brother at Zach's home following her abduction. An affidavit for a search warrant states that Dylan told authorities on April 13, 2011, he went to Zach's residence to get his truck. Dylan said he observed Holly Lynn Bobo sitting in a green chair in the living room wearing a pink t-shirt with Jason Autry standing just a few feet away. He also told police Zach was wearing camouflage shorts, a black cutoff t-shirt, and a pair of green Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) Planned his outfit well. (laughs) He said that Zach told him, quote, he raped Holly and videotaped it. The alleged videotape has never been found, and Dylan eventually recanted his confession, saying he was coerced by investigators. But his confession is what led to the arrest of Zach, Adams, and their friends, Jason Autry and Shane Austin. Footage of that confession has never been made public or anything like that, but um, Zach and Dylan's mom had seen it, and she did an interview talking about how she felt it was coerced. So these are some clips from that.
3: In this statement, you know, Dylan's trying to tell his story as to what happens, and you've got this TBI agent saying, don't you mean this? don't you mean it happened like this and Dylan you 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 can honestly tell at the point that Dylan I can as his mother he gave up he's like okay if that's what you said then you know okay I even asked my boys do you guys know anything do you know anything have you heard anything no mom no mom yeah look at his rap sheet I mean, Zachary cannot even go out and steal a deer stand without getting caught. When more than one person knows about something this horrific that happened, you know, and you're talking about drug addicts, how did they keep that quiet?
0: In these clips she's saying how they're both basically like stupid losers and that's why they couldn't murder someone. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that she was like, no, no, they didn't do it. Definitely not them. <laughs> you no. know, like as in they were good people, not. Those no, I mean, like it. Zach shot his mom in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us to September 2014. So on Sunday, September 7th, Holly's partial remains were found by ginseng hunters in a wooded area of northern Decatur County, just off of I 40, nearly 20 miles from Darden. But less than six miles from Zach Adams' property,
1: wasn't the mushroom hunters this time? It was the ginseng ginseng eh. hunters. Same thing,
0: basically. <laughs> like a, what is that? Like a root?
1: Yeah, it's like a root. I think it's like a, a ginger. Like maybe I'm just that's what I thought, up.
0: but I feel like I'm making it up too.
1: It's you know, Yeah, it looks it looks like ginger to me. Like like a root. Yeah.
0: So basically, mushroom hunting. Yeah, basically, same difference you know someone's gonna message us and be like excuse me that is not the <laughs> they're <thing."> totally different <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we ever talked about it but some people are very upset with you for making a comment about who hunts mushrooms i you know apparently it's a very serious
1: sport i apologize for offending the hunters <laughs> we, we, we won't laugh about it anymore it's um interesting to me though that her remains were found then, but I know you spoke earlier about how the police wouldn't confirm if the remains were found. So that's an interesting, you know. Usually in a missing person case, they say she's still missing, or I can't recall a case ever where they have just not said either way, yes or no. So anyway, clearly they hadn't found them if they found her remains in September. But yeah, but like, why like, wouldn't they just say that? Yeah, wouldn't she's still missing? But we have like, even they could have said she's. She's still missing, but we have evidence that you know she did pass away or she was murdered. So
0: I wonder if um, yeah. they were trying to like smoke out Zach and Dylan yeah. and them and have them think that they found her remains. I feel like that has to be why, but it's yeah, it was just yeah. interesting. Make them nervous. Yeah. The owner of the property that her remains were found on, he said it wasn't uncommon for people to hunt there without permission. So I guess probably generally trespass as well. I'm guessing these. Not mushroom hunters were also probably trespassing, technically. Yeah. So one of the guys who found her remains, it, his name's Larry Stone. He said he saw a large bucket in the woods. He looked inside, and whatever he saw, quote, gave him cold chills. But he has never said what was in the bucket. Um, he then turned around and spotted Holly's remains spread on the ground behind him. All that was recovered was her skull, including her jaw and teeth and several of her ribs and one shoulder blade. I tried to find more proof of this. I'll try to look to put it in the blog. But I remember when this happened, he this guy made such a big deal about what was in the bucket. Like he said he was traumatized and like they weren't allowed to talk about it. So hmm. it's always been a huge mystery with this case of what's in the bucket. <laughs> so here's a clip of him talking to news channel 5 about finding her remains
3: and we'd walk right down this ridge right here. Ginseng sort of looks like he's baby hickory trees. You're almost the perfect person to be searching for her. Well, 90% of the people that finds people are hunters. Well, I can show you the exact path I took. I was facing the ravine this way, and it was like somebody, hey, turn around, here I am. Standing there looking at remains that you know belongs to somebody that was loved, and you're sitting there looking at the ground When you're seeing your daughter laying there in her face, it hits home. Do you think Holly would still be out here if you hadn't found her? Oh, I know she, I believe she would have. I don't think, I don't think they'd ever found her. They was trying to hide her the best they could. To these defense attorneys that are saying we haven't seen evidence that Holly's skull was found, you say what? It's been found. You finding her helps the case exponentially. Well... Nobody, no case. And that's what these men had planned. Nobody, no case. I just want to say to the bubbles that I'm sorry for the loss. That all got shattered because of these men. We want justice for Holly.
0: Things. With this case, like with most cases, get a little confusing here because several people end up being arrested besides Zach. But ultimately, I'd say there's probably three really main ones. So I'm going to go over first who was arrested and what they were arrested for. Ultimately, six men were arrested in connection with Holly's disappearance. That's including Zach. Zach. So after Mm -hmm. he was arrested, his brother Dylan Adams was also arrested. And their friends Shane Austin and Jason Autry were also charged. So those are kind of like the main guys. So Dylan was charged by the TBI with tampering with evidence. The warrant for his arrest said, quote, on September 17th, 2014, this agent heard Dylan Adams tell another agent with the TBI that on April 13th, 2011, Dylan Adams disposed of items he knew possessed evidentiary value relating to Holly Bobo. Jason Autry, on August 29, 2014, 39-year-old Jason Autry, who was already in jail serving a three-year sentence for aggravated assault, was indicted on aggravated kidnapping and murder charges. TBI director Mark Gwynn said, quote, We have sworn statements from witnesses that saw Holly in the presence of Autry and Adams. He also said they obtained physical evidence that was being analyzed. The next day, Jason pled not guilty to those charges. And then as we go along, in July 2017, he would be granted federal immunity along with a Victor Dinsmore, who is one of their friends that we haven't spoken about yet, and a man named Michael Alexander in relation to the death of Holly in exchange for their testimonies against Zach. Then we have Shane Austin. He is the one that they have the sketch of that seemed to be maybe looking at her during the coon dinner, coon hunt dinner, not a coon dinner. (laughs) Shane Austin, he wasn't actually arrested at the time, but was thought to be involved. He was initially offered immunity in exchange for information regarding to the location of Holly's remains. His phone records indicated that he spoke with Zach several times the day Holly was abducted and police believed he helped dispose of her body. The agreement was withdrawn when investigators believed he wasn't being truthful. And nothing really came from this, because on February 27, 2015, he took his own life by hanging himself in a hotel room in Bartow, Florida. Guess the guilt got to him. Hmm. I wonder what he was doing down there. Maybe he had, like, one last mm. fun weekend before day. just off yeah. himself. Yeah. So then two other men who were arrested that end up not being as relevant, but still interesting part of the story. On May 29, 2014, brothers Mark and Jeffrey Percy, who are 38 and 42, were charged with tampering with evidence and accessory after the fact. They were arrested based on allegations made by Jeff's former roommate, Sandra King, who alleged that in May 2014, Jeff showed her part of a video showing Zach assaulting Holly, who was tied up and crying. She said she watched only a small clip and didn't see the sexual assault. Police arranged for Sandra to make a recorded call to Jeff where she told him over the phone, quote, That video of Holly, if it had been you, I would have watched it. To which he replied, I know. Sandra alleged that Mark is the one who shot the video. During the trial, Sandra testified that she asked to see the video, which was on a cell phone and that she was able to identify Holly and Zach through photos she had seen of them in the news. Both brothers denied that the video existed. Jeff claims he was unable to hear Sandra during the phone conversation and that his ex-wife's name is Holly, so he was confused. Police have analyzed over 20 phones but have not found the video, so charges against both of them were subsequently dropped. Fast forward to May 2017. The prosecution submits they're getting ready for trial. Obviously, everyone knows it's coming. The prosecution submits a gun that they found into evidence as the murder weapon. At the time, no one really knew much about it. It was only even known at all because of paperwork. So you'll find out more about that at the trial. So I want to end this episode with um, something that Bert Scott Stags wrote. He was... I guess he's a reporter. He followed the case very closely when it was going on. I I saved a lot of screenshots from posts that he made during the trial because he was kind of like live tweeting it, but on Facebook at the time. He wrote a post called Remembering Holly Bobo that I thought was nice. So it says, Today your Facebook feed will most likely be flooded with stories of the kidnapping and tragic death of Holly Bobo. That event happened six years ago today in Darden, Tennessee. For the most part, life for an entire county has never been the same. To these people, she's not just a missing poster or ribbons. As many of you know, I've been covering this case in depth. Today, I want to do something different. I refuse to talk about the men accused of committing those atrocious acts. I will not speak of the death of Holly Bobo. Instead, I'm going to focus on her life. By all accounts from the people that knew her best, Holly loved God, church, family, her friends, and her boyfriend, Drew. She also said is said to be fiercely loyal to her friends and family. As I've gotten closer to the people that actually knew Holly, one thing is often said to me. I wish you had gotten to meet her. You would have loved her, is what they say. The big smile. They will also tell you that she was quiet at first, but once you got to know her, she was loud, bubbly, and really funny. When Holly was little, her family went on an outing to Rock City in East Tennessee. When they went in a cave on a tour, Holly said really loud, Oh mama, when I grow up, this is where I want to live, in this castle with diamonds. Sheila Scott, the mother of Holly's boyfriend Drew, told me of more memories than there were to write. One of her favorites was watching her son teach Holly how to drive a stick shift. Another was while Holly was studying for a test that she and Drew would want brownies and ice cream. She'll tell you of the love between her son and Holly. When you talk to Sheila about Holly, you see a smile with a touch of sadness, but the memories pour out, and the smile says it all. A lot of you have viewed videos of Holly singing at church or in the car with friends. She would also do this with her mother. One of her favorites to sing was I'll Fly Away. One of Holly's best friends, Mary Beth Helms, told me, quote, Holly and I used to sing together with another friend of ours. During our senior year, we went to Beta Convention in Nashville and sang in the competition. We had a really good time and we shopped and went to a movie. And one night we walked around the hotel talking to people in British accents. We tried to get people to believe that we were British, and we thought we were so clever. According to Mary Beth, Holly surprised her more than anyone else she'd ever known. Friends say she loved music, Miley Cyrus and Katy Perry. She liked to laugh. She liked summertime. She loved her pets, Rascal and Selena. She loved her friends. She liked to be outside and liked to swim. Holly took such great pride in hanging out with her mom and her best friend. She would rather sit in the swing with her boyfriend on a Friday night than hit the town. Today, instead of thinking of Holly Bobo, the girl on the sign, I want you to close your eyes and think about a young lady full of energy and laughter. Instead of pink and green ribbons, picture her with a bag of Skittles. Instead of the face on the news, imagine her watching a movie with her friends and eating popcorn with Dove chocolate. While you have your eyes closed, say a prayer for Karen, Dana, Clint, Drew, and all the friends and family of Holly Bobo.
1: So sad. She sounded like a really sweet, fun person.
0: Yeah, she did. She sounded very yeah. nice. And she was going to school to be a nurse, so she clearly liked to help people.
1: Yeah. A bit about where she said it says she likes to sit in the swing. That's really sweet. Sitting in the swing with her boyfriend instead of going out on the town. There's a video that
0: it's more cuter visually than probably audibly. Yeah. But she's yeah. in a car with her friends singing party in the USA. <laughs> it's one She's so
1: sad how one a group of people, I guess, in this case can take it upon themselves to change someone's or not even just one person's life, her whole family's life for the worse.
0: Yeah. I saw um, when I was reading and doing research for this, that people from there were saying, even though it's a small town, she didn't, like she knew of Zach and them, like they knew each other, but it's not like they were friends or like talked or or hung out or anything.
1: They would have run in the same circles based on his track record.
0: No, it seems like one of them. Probably wanted what they knew they couldn't have. Yeah. Very, very sad. So we're going to end the first episode here. figure leaving the trial for its own episode is the best thing to do since it's a little lengthy. Good way Um, to split it up. Yeah. And there's a lot of clips and a lot more is found out at the trial. So after we do that, then Olivia and I will have more of a discussion on our thoughts of everything. So that way we're all informed.
1: (laughs) We all know what's (laughs) going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can just remember to check us out on all our social media. In the meantime, while you wait for the next episode, just True Crime Society on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website is truecrimesociety.com. We'll have the blog up with all the clips of Holly and all that type of stuff. So if you want to check out and learn more about the case, just be sure and go and check out our blog.
0: And... If you guys like the podcast, remember to rate, review, subscribe, all the things that you're supposed to do.
2: We really (laughs) like when
0: you guys give us great five-star reviews. It makes us (laughs) excited to keep doing this and more encouraged to keep it up. So if you like the podcast, be sure to give us a review. Um, I know you can on Apple Podcasts. I think other platforms do have reviews. I don't don't know. I think think it depends on the platform anyway. Yeah. Spotify doesn't have them, but... If you can't review, just tell your friends. If you can't review, yeah. just send us a message saying how great it is. <laughs> I stroke out egos a little bit. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Normally, we've been saying until next crime, but it's going to be the same crime. So see you then. <laughs> we'll see you soon.